All right, and welcome back to another episode of Spartans on the Bank. Uh, this is Sean. A couple things I wanted to I wanted to touch on in this episode. Uh, so volleyball media days was this week, uh, f- the first one ever. Uh, Want to touch on a couple things out of that. Um, we've hired a new director of recruiting operations for men's basketball, and then fall camp for football is kicking off. So there are a ton of things coming out. With that though, the two major things I wanted to hit on were. Um, Athlon's anonymous coaching, um, anonymous coaches, uh, statements about Michigan State, and then M Live had a pretty solid article about the makeup of college football fan bases. So I want to touch on those two things, and then if we have some time, we'll get into some predictions, and then uh, we'll touch on a we'll touch on a, a commit we got. All right, thanks for sticking around. All right, so this past week, there was the inaugural Big Ten Big Ten Volleyball Media Days, which I'm all for. I think it's absolutely a great idea. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm a big fan of volleyball. I, th- I, I love it as a sport. Um, with that, though, uh, the Big Ten Volleyball is like playing a, playing a team composed or a conference composed solely of Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. I mean, take every playoff team in the past out of the past 15 years. And that's what it's like playing the Big Ten conference schedule in volleyball from Penn State to Minnesota to Nebraska to Wisconsin from top to bottom. It is it is just straight um, like powerhouses for um, volleyball. With that being said, we definitely we uh, coach we have a new coach Leah Johnson replaced Kathy George. Um, she's definitely got her shoes. She's got her work cut out for her. Um, we've we're not the bottom of the barrel, but we are not anywhere near being able to compete with the top of the conference. Um, and Coach Johnson is doing is doing great things. She's recruiting at a high level, um, and she is trying to increase the overall awareness of of Michigan State Volleyball. Um, she's hired a brand ambassador. They're working through NIL. I personally love this. I think it's a great thing for the conference, a great thing for Michigan State. Um, I do think we are, to put it into football terms, we are 2005, um, right before D'Antonio was hired, John L. Smith, not saying Kathy George was bad, but we were we were down. We were We were kind of towards the bottom of the bottom of the barrel um, last couple of years. And we've, we've produced some great players over the years. Um, Autumn Bailey comes to mind. Like we've got, we've got top tier. We've had top tier talent. Um, Autumn Bailey plays for the uh, place. She played for the Canadian national team. Um, and so like, it's not like we don't have good players. The problem is, is you're playing Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state every year, year in and year out. And so, um, Coach Johnson, she is she's trying to um, she's trying to lead that way, and she's trying to get the get the girls on board. And I think it's working to a pretty solid extent. Um, and the the other big big note is that normally we're used to seeing volleyball play um, volleyball play uh, play at Jenison Fieldhouse. Well, this year every game is going to be played at the Breslin Center, and. That I mean, that just goes to show you that the commitment that Alan Haller has made to um, made to the football program and made to Coach Johnson 
about trying to increase the marketability of it. Because right now, yeah, Michigan State is a solid football program or a top-tier basketball program. But that's about all we have, right? We, we were pretty solid in soccer about three years ago. Our hockey program about a decade and a half ago, about 15 years, won the national championship. But we, we've kind of let all of those fall off. Alan Haller has made some huge hires um, in the past year since he's been here. And so we're going to see how those pan out. I would love to see Nightingale at hockey and Johnson and Johnson in volleyball all r- take those and raise them to a higher level. So we're going to see, I have, I have confidence she's going to move in the right direction, but it is going to be a slow process because she is fighting day in and day out with these top tier talents. All right, stick around. So on Monday, uh, Michigan State hired John Bavorovich um, as the director of basketball recruiting operations. Um, he's coming to us from Northwestern. Before that, he was in Oakland and uh, he played Northern Illinois. He played at Central Michigan. So he's familiar with the landscape of Michigan, Michigan State basketball and kind of the Midwest recruiting footprint. So this is not a bad hire in any stretch of the imagination, and I'm all for it. Um, and speaking of basketball recruiting, uh, on Tuesday, Michigan State landed um, Greg Normand out of Birdville, Texas, 6'6 wing. Uh, this kid visited on, I think it was like last Thursday and ended up committing on Tuesday. Um, he's averaging 11, 11.8 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 4.1 assists per game. So the, the, kid, is, the kid is producing in Texas. Um, he's a top 100 player, and he's considered the number five prospect out of Texas. So Tom Izzo has went from having a, we'll just say a average class to slowly putting together one of the best classes for 2023. This is huge. He's got Xavier Booker and then he's got Jeremy Fears as well. They're ranked fourth in the nation by 24, 7 sports right now. Like that is, that is amazing. Uh, when you consider last, uh, what, two weeks ago, they were probably ranked in the 30th because we only had one commit. The only three higher them are Duke, Kentucky, and I mean, yeah, that makes complete sense. And then, of course, Ohio State or Iowa State. Not Ohio State. Ohio State is five. Iowa State is three. All right, then. That's an interesting uh, someone at number three. And they have three commits. So, yeah. Huh. Uh, with that, I think I think overall we're seeing a good, um, a good increase in Tom's recruiting. Uh, we're seeing a sol- – we're seeing solid – uh, I think the essentially the uh, the talks of his demise were premature, if you will. Uh, I don't think he's plans on going anywhere anytime soon. And Coach Izzo loves this program enough to be able to admit when he needs to walk away. And I don't think that's happening. Guy guy talks about he has more energy than than he had than he's had in years, and he loves where the program is headed and everything. So I think we're in for a very exciting ride, and I'm I'm betting that. This class will have a large part of getting uh, of getting Izzo's number two. So stick around. All right, we're back with the next segment on <clears throat> Athlon and their anonymous coaching article. So their Athlon, and to their credit, it is it is an ab- absolutely fantastic use of the anonymous the anonymous um, I guess I'll say survey is asking coaches, DCs, players, everybody what they think of their opponents because people are are people are bound to be more just honest and open 
if they know their name isn't going to be attached to it. So I am all for it. This is not throwing shade. This is not, oh, trying to talk down or anything like that. It is just giving an honest-to-God opinion. Um, and there's a couple things in here that are right. Uh, it's they, they keep one of their two good receivers. Otherwise, accept, expect new faces. They're created on offense. Lots of shifts in motion. Expect more of that. Thorne is pretty good, and that's about it. He had really good numbers because he never had to worry about all that much. They're going to have to get more out of him. Don't know who said it, but that's a, that's a factual statement. That is a hundred percent on point with what, with what you with what the fans are saying. We lost Naylor. We Jay Johnson is doing some fantastic things on offense. Didn't think I'd be saying that two years ago. Um, and Peyton, this is Peyton Thorne's offense. You've heard me say it time and time again. This is Peyton Thorne's team. Kenneth Walker's gone. This this is his team. We are going to live and die on the arm and shoulder of Peyton Thorne. Um, then, then there's this comment, which I don't really buy into. Uh, this is transfer you. Does that work every season? What's your culture like? It seems like these guys don't set limits like other staffs. Normally you're working the portal out of extreme need for a position group or to complement a roster. These guys shop the whole store. It seems they haven't recruited in Michigan high schools as much as you'd expect. That comment irks me. And let me explain why, why it bothers me here. It bothers me. Because this comes off as sour grapes. Um, because this, this comes off as a program that either has nobody wanting to come to it out of the transfer portal, or they think they're too good for the transfer portal. So I don't know, I don't know where that's coming from, but Mel Tucker has said time and time again, we want the best players, the best will play. This is not a, oh, hey, you know, let, let's take Kale, Hall Kale Holiday, for example. He is, he was an all-season uh, or um, all-American freshman last season at linebacker. Did that stop us from going to get linebackers? No, we got two of the best linebackers in the portal, Jacoby Winman and Aaron Brule. No, absolutely not. This is 100% something that Mel Tucker is like, hey, here's an area where we can improve. And he's gone out and got those. So this is this is absolutely on point with Mel Tucker's philosophy, and I support it. Now, the comment about they haven't recruited Michigan high schools as much as you'd expect. This, this screams someone that expected Tucker to come in and do D'Antonio-type recruiting, where D'Antonio relied on Michigan, uh, Michigan and Ohio to really fill out his roster, and he would go get those players from, you know, one from Florida, a couple from Texas, Georgia, maybe a California kid. He would get those kids, right? He got Brian Lewerke out of Arizona. But generally, the majority of his roster was built up on Michigan and Ohio. So maybe, maybe they're like, oh, he's not he's not going after these schools like you think he'd be going after, the, like the schools in Michigan. And I mean, they're not necessarily wrong. When you look at the, um, when you look at, so Mel Tucker's first year, when you're looking at the recruiting for the state of Michigan within um, within the um, within the state of Michigan, we didn't really land anybody. We didn't get anybody that's like, oh, this is like this is the best player. This is the best player in the class, or this is the best player in the state. We that's not a thing that we did. We did not go out and go. We did not go out and go. Hey, we are going to get the absolute best player in the state of Michigan. And it wasn't for a lack of trying. It was Justin Rogers. In 2020, and he went to Kentucky. He didn't even choose Michigan. 
the we got let's see here we got the number 14 dallas fincher uh 20 ian stewart and 22 tommy garardo out of dearborn that's who we got last in the 2020 class out of michigan and i think out of those dallas fincher is the only one left like the other the other two have transferred i believe i don't even think dallas fincher's with michigan or he's the only one with michigan state still um and then when you go into the 2021 class it's more of the same we just we didn't we didn't land anybody. We weren't pursuing anybody. Uh, or I shouldn't say we weren't pursuing anybody. We weren't, we didn't land them. The top kid in the class, Damon Payne went to uh, Alabama. Michigan cleaned up uh, in the 2021 class. Donovan Edwards, um, G uh, Giovanni Alhade, Rashawn Benny. Don't even get me started on that. That pissed me off. Um, Raheem Anderson. Um, and then Andrel, Andrel Anthony, we landed Ethan Boyd at 16, Tyson Watson at 18. And then our next one is Derek Hammond at 26. We just didn't land these top kids. And it's not like, oh, hey, Michigan State wasn't recruiting them. He was, Tucker was interested in, in landing the kids that he wanted. And he didn't care where he had to go. Our top kid in that class was Maya, uh, Maya Gallato out of Nevada, Keon Coleman out of Louisiana. Gino Vandermark out of New Jersey, and then Charles Brantley out of Florida. We didn't our it wasn't until we got to AJ Kirk that we landed our top kid out of Ohio. And then if you go back to the 2020 class, our it was, let's see here, it was Ricky White out of Georgia, uh Darius Snow out of Texas, and then Dallas Fincher out of Michigan. I mean, we are we did not, it wasn't that we weren't per, pursuing these kids or we cooled on them. I'm not gonna play that game. It's Tucker wanted to establish his footprint in Georgia and Florida and Texas. That's where he was. That's where he was prioritizing. And that's where he, that's where he put most of his effort in. And now you see now when you go to the 2022 class, right? Alex Van Sumeren out of Michigan, uh, Kate Hauser out of California, J uh, Jeremy Bernard out of Nevada, Dylan, Dylan Tatum out of Michigan, Jaden Mangum out of Michigan, um, Caleb, Caleb Cooley out of Georgia, Jack Nickel out of Florida, Chase Carter out of Minnesota, Antonio Gates out of Michigan. Malik Spencer out of Georgia, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Michigan. He is he knew that he could step in and make up lost ground in Michigan. It's Michigan State. It's one of the top two programs in the country, in the state. These kids grew up Spartans or Wolverines. He can he can step in and make up that ground in Michigan. What he can't do is step into Georgia, Florida, Texas, California, and make up ground. So he chose to prioritize that. And I am all for it. And I'll be honest, that just kind of, it just reads as sour grapes to me. It just does. Um, and then, you know, the Athlon had a pretty, he, they they had some, sol some solid pieces about everybody. Something that I thought was funny is Michigan, for Michigan, they said, DC Jesse Meitner will transition right in. I don't think you're going to see any kind of departure in terms of scheme. I don't think you're going to see any departure in scheme of either. But I think you're going to see a massive drop off because let's be honest for a minute. Michigan lost how many NFL draft picks? They're they're not replacing those on defense, and you're relying on an offense that wasn't asked to do a whole lot. You're just it, it wasn't. It was it was that was a team last year that made the playoffs on the back of their defense. It was not on the arm of their offense, and now they're going to be asked to. So we'll see how that works out for them. All right, so uh, Michigan State. Just landed um, Stanton Rammel, um, a top 100 uh, or a top 24-7 four-star left tackle. 
um, out of Alabama. He's 6'7", 3'10". He's 197 overall on the composite. He's a four-star, um, 21st offensive tackle in the class. You guys, you heard you heard my episode a couple, uh, what, I think about a week ago now. Me ranting and raving about how an offensive tackle, offensive tackles don't just enter the portal. They're not just, you know, you're not going to go into the portal and find true championship caliber offensive tackles. It's got to come out of, um, it's got to come out of high school recruiting because we had just missed on, uh, we just missed on like two or three of the top ones. This kid is, he's, if this is our plan B, that is a fantastic plan B. I like Stanton Rammel, that that is a kid that anchors the offensive line. Six seven three ten plays the offensive tackle position. He chose he had offers from North Carolina, Penn State, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Arkansas, Auburn, Clemson, uh, Colorado, Florida State, Kentucky, um, Maryland, Nebraska, Ole Miss. This kid's offer list is no joke, no joke. And the fact we were able to land him just goes to speak how amazing. Um, coach cap is, is doing like, yeah, he got beat down. Um, but I'll be like, he got beat down on the, um, uh, on a couple of those misses, but he bounced right back and landed this kid. This kid is going to, he, if with coach cap and coach Novak and what the nutrition department can do, this kid could turn, absolutely turn into a beast. It is awesome. And keep in mind, this was after he officially visited North Carolina, Tennessee, Penn state. And then he visit he visits, um, Michigan state on the 24th for, uh, for Spartan Dogcon, I believe. And yeah, it was it was great. This is huge. So all about that. Um uh leading into Spartan Dogcon, right? We're getting some initial reactions from um from some from some of the recruits that were there. Uh talked about Nick Marsh last episode, got Stanton Rommel, and then you've got some of these kids, right? Like uh let's hear, let's let's uh flip through some of these. Um, you've got four star Tyson Griffin. Uh, the trip was amazing. The best part was when I got to eat and sit down and talk to the alumni and listen to their stories about the school. Um, four-star King Joseph Edwards. My visit was excellent. The coaches, support staff, and Mel Tucker are all excellent, very personable. They reviewed my film and gave me some things to work on this season. I appreciated it. Um, these are – so when I when I said that this is an alumni event that recruits are invited to, it, it that's what it really is. It is about getting the players back because these kids, they see – um, uh, Todd Anderson came back and talked. They had, um, TJ Duckett was there. They had Javon Ringer that was there. These, these players that as Spartan fans, we know and love, right? These were the players there when we were there, we were growing up. These, these are the players, like we, we know and love these guys. And these guys, these players got to come back, sit down and have a true honest to God, like, Hey, what's it like to play for Michigan state and get, get it from the players not trying to sell them any line, not trying to do anything, but just, hey, this is what it means to Spart- be a Spartan dog. And people bought into it. And you got Eli rushing a 2024 four-star defensive end. He's ranked number 64 overall. I loved it. I toured the facility and campus and talked with some coaches. I took some pictures too. It felt good to talk to him, uh, talking about Coach Jordan. I gained a lot of information, small tips and tricks. And that's the best part, right? Remember when I talked about Xavier Booker and his commitment to Michigan State and what Tom Izzo did for him, where Tom Izzo would tell him, Hey, you had a bad game. This is what you need to work on. Like you, you know, you were getting beaten the post or whatever it was. The, the coaches aren't keeping any secrets from these guys. They're not like, Oh, I will only tell you this. If you come here, they're like, nah, I watched your film. This is what you need to work on your first step. Your, you know, your rip, your swim, whatever it is. 
And these guys are eating it up. They're they're loving it because they're getting they're getting collegiate level coaching in the hopes that they may be able to come here. But our staff isn't turning these guys away. It's not turning them down. So overall, this this class is slowly turning into a fantastic class. We have 10 four stars. That's more four stars than we've had like the last, I think, seven classes combined. Um, so this is huge. Right now we're 24th overall. Um, we've got kids from all across the country. Uh, Iowa, Oklahoma, Alabama, Florida, Michigan, Texas, Tennessee, uh, Florida, Texas. I mean, there, there are, we have more. So we have more five star or four stars in this class than we do three. We have 13 commits and our three stars are Jonathan Slack. Who's just on the outside of being a four star Bo Edmondson, our quarterback out of Texas, who by all, every scouting report says that this kid is getting ready to blow up huge. And then Eddie Pleasant the third out of Florida, who the coaches absolutely love. They love his game. He's a cornerback. He's six, he's six foot 175. I think this kid's gonna be great. So we have we absolutely have some talent. We've got the kids in the we've got the kids coming in, buying in. We just need to capitalize. And don't we're not out on some of these five stars either. Uh David Hicks, the five star out of Texas, and um, pancake, the five-star, I think out of Florida, Miami's trending for him, but he really loves the Michigan state class or the Michigan state coaches. So don't be surprised if he ends up, uh, if he ends up coming back to, uh, to Michigan state. All right. We'll be right back. All right. I'm back for the last segment. Sorry. It's been a, it's been a long one guys. I know. Um, all right. So uh, SBR net published a, I guess I'll call, I guess I'll call it a data table, um, outlining the most popular universities or football programs. Um, and number one is Ohio state university. Uh, next is Alabama, Penn state, Notre Dame, Texas, Michigan state, Michigan, Georgia, Florida state, and UCLA. Um, now what's interesting about this is that they break it down by generation. So baby, baby boomer fans, Gen X fans, millennial fans, Gen Z fans, and totaled, totaled up. Now, what's interesting is Michigan State is ahead of Michigan. Michigan State is at six. Michigan is at uh, seven. Michigan State is beaten by about 100,000 fans-ish. Um, but what they found is that baby boomer fans were, or Michigan had way more baby boomer fans than um, Michigan State did. By about 200,000. Gen X, um, Michigan State was ahead by about 400,000. Um, and then millennial fans, they're about even, about 100,000 apart. And then Gen Z fans, Michigan State is ahead by 200,000. So, and, and keep in mind, these are rough numbers. I'm just kind of spitballing here. So when you look at it, it's really the older, the older generation and then the yeah, it's really the older generation that is really rooting for Michigan. And then you have Michigan State fans that we have the Gen X fans, right? The the mid nineties, um, the that would be so they would be fans well, roughly mid nineties, early two thousands. So Tom Izzo's first championship, uh, national championship in uh, hockey, D'Antonio hire right around then. So that's kind of those Gen X, and then it would have been the end of the George Perlis area, Rose Bowls. So that area makes perfect sense. And then you have um, millennial fans, you have 619, and then Gen Z, 253. Um, millennial fans, are, it, it's interesting to me because Michigan State is one of those, um, 
Michigan State is one of those that is we go in waves. Um, we have not we were great in the 60s, had a pretty big downturn in the 70s. Um, we were pretty solid in, into the 80s and early 90s. And then after Nick Saban, we had a pretty solid drop off. Thank you, Bobby Williams um, and John L. Smith. And then it wasn't until we got to Antonio back that we're back up. Um, but you got to remember, Michigan State is a top 25 program over now, uh, historically with uh, in terms of wins, bowl record, uh, championships. I mean, it, it is we're not a bad program. Um, but what I do find interesting here is Michigan, Michigan has almost no fans. They're the only top 10 program that has under 200,000 fans in the Gen Z category. They just do not have any Gen Z, Gen Z vans. Um, and as a matter of fact, they, they appear to be, um, where, where are they, they appear to be 28th. They're the, they have the, they're the 28th least amount of fans. Some of the, fa- some of the programs with le- less Gen Z fans, um, which are, which is surprising is actually North Carolina, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, Pittsburgh, um, Purdue, University of Florida is surprising. Really, it is. Uh, and then the, who's this? Oh, Illinois. Illinois has 11,000 Gen Z fans. Um, and, and so when it boils down, when you look at it, that's that's what it boils down to. And when you, when you sort it by baby boomer fans, Ohio State has the most, followed by Penn State, Michigan, and then Alabama, Notre Dame, and Georgia. That's not really surprising when you look at those programs and historically what they've done. So when when you look at it, and this isn't this is I'm not taking this opportunity to crap on Michigan, even though I do I enjoy that it is it's a favorite pastime of mine. This is this is something that I think signifies as a whole um, across the college football landscape. Programs are going to have to look at. You're not bringing in the numbers that you used to, and with 4K TV, HD TVs, these. I mean, we just saw a report today that NBC wants to pay, wants to make Big Ten football the NFL of college football conferences. Games on Thursdays, Saturdays, Mondays, um, and they want to pay one point two five billion dollars for it. It's going to be with with that much money invested and that many eyeballs, and when you take into account going to a game, even at even at Northwestern or. Maryland, Rutgers, any of these programs, it's still, I mean, it's still a a hundred hundred dollar affair. Yeah, the tickets may be cheap, but then there's parking, concessions, all of it. I mean, you're not getting out of there for probably at least under a hundred bucks. Um, and so compare that to like for me, my 85 inch TV with high def television and uh all the all the beer and soda I can have and popcorn and food and that I don't have to pay a 525 for a hot dog for. I think this this is something that we're going to see across the board be be a concern for college football moving forward. I am not old man yelling at cloud right now. I do think we are witnessing the witnessing a fundamental shift in college football. We'll be back. All right, guys, thanks for sticking through with me through this episode. I know it's been a long one um, and it, it was a little bit more, a little more segments than I, uh, than I originally anticipated. But like I said, I, I am trying to stick to 
the not your typical hey here's this storyline here's this storyline um and everything like that i do want to say uh thank uh like subscribe share all that kind of great and wonderful stuff um and michigan state has is this is their um this is their first day of practice so we are seeing um we're seeing some some reports come out and We'll, we'll touch on that probably next week once we get some more press conferences. I will tell you that uh, Mel Tucker is saying all the right things, and, man, it's getting me pumped for this season. Uh, so last thing I want to touch on, uh, I'm not, I, I do, use, I do, do the, uh, the betting. Um, I've already placed my over on Michigan State's win total. It's 7.5 for this season. That is, a, that is an easy money, easy money over bet for me. Um, it will take a lot of things to go wrong for Michigan State to lose, uh, lose f- what five games this season, uh, like a lot of things. So I'm not buying into it. I think at the absolute worst, they're eight and four. Best is probably eleven and one. Um, I got them at about ten and two though. Uh, with that, with that, everybody, th- hey, thanks, like, subscribe, share. Uh, this is an episode of the last. Uh, this is an episode of Spartans on the Bank. Uh, my name's Sean. Go green. Go white. Go Spartans.